the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now, your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Well, it is Tuesday, but somehow or another, it feels like Friday. It is 6.04 on April the 4th. Um, it's uh, It's been a heck of a day. Uh, we started early, 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 early this morning with Joe Piscopo uh, at 6.40 this morning. And I don't know, 10 media interviews later, it's uh, maybe 12, 14, I don't know. But, you know, being down at the courthouse... We now know what the indictment is all about. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to ask Judge Barry Cummins, my law partner, to um, tell us what what happened today, Judge. Well, Arthur, this was a day, of course, that was unprecedented in American history. The Manhattan District Attorney, Mr. Bragg, indicted the former president for 34 felonies, essentially falsifying uh, business records, uh, and under the law, the the records are falsified because he made uh, entries or caused to be made entries that were false for the purpose of committing another crime. But we all we know from the indictment is that what that other crime is seems to be election law violations. But uh, the defense attorneys still don't know specifically which of the election laws were violated. Uh, and that's something they're going to find out in what's called discovery. They're going to make motions. They're going to make many motions. Uh, my guess is one of the motions they're going to make is a motion to change venue. I think that they may try to move this case out of New York County. Uh, of course, that motion is rarely granted. If you may remember a number of years ago, the uh, there was a shooting uh, up in the Bronx where four police officers were indicted, and uh, in a rare exercise of discretion, the appellate division moved that case up to Albany County. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but that's certainly one of the motions the does defense the, will the make. the venue motion always go to the appellate division, or does it go yes. to the trial judge first? It goes to the appellate division, okay. and they make the decision. Now, it's not an easy motion to get granted, as I mentioned. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of work that goes into that. A lot of demographics have to be demonstrated. Do you remember what the clerk told me when I tried to file it in the Harvey Weinstein case at the appellate division? No, I don't. He said, so I'm talking to him, and he's not, he's not looking at the caption. And he's like, oh, it's a venue motion. You have to do this. Okay. But, and I hand it to him, and he looks at the caption. He goes, Harvey Weinstein. He goes, what do you want to move it to, Mars? Because <laughs> well, you're supposed to move it to a venue yes, where people yes. are less prejudicial. Now, yeah. since you brought the venue motion, unlike every other case, here the defense could actually cite that 80, 
almost 88% of voters in Manhattan voted against this guy. That's correct. Now, that's typically you don't have that kind of statistics against, you know, uh, regarding your, your defendant. So will it make the appellate division at least think? Like, hmm, all these people voted against this guy. Is he? Are they really going to be able well, to vote for him in a trial? You know, I'm not sure that's going to be dispositive. I mean, you go to any county, you can cite statistics in any county who voted for whom. The question is, can you find unbiased jurors? And that's the problem in Manhattan. I think in Manhattan, it'd be difficult to find jurors that are not biased uh, one way or the other, against, uh, mostly against Mr. Trump. So I think that's the problem in Manhattan. But so uh, it may yeah. make the appellate division think. Yes, it may. It may. And uh, it's not a dead on arrival kind of motion. No, the no, line. no, that, of course not. And uh, they're going to make all kinds of motions. Uh, well, give us some more. Well, the, obviously, the discovery motion here is important. They're going to want to find out what is the election law violation. I mean, the election, there could be a federal law violation, and they're going to argue, well, you can't cite a federal law violation in a state indictment, which I'm not sure is correct, uh, but they're going to argue that. Uh, there are other state law violations that are misdemeanors, um, and they're going to have to sort this out when they get all of this uh, information. But as far as Mr. Bragg is concerned, uh, he said this, in, I think, in a statement, he, this, is, this is business as usual for him. He said that in the past, I think on 117 occasions in the past, his office has indicted individuals for the same crimes. Of course, uh, others will argue this is not business as usual. This was a case where the former president was being indicted, and some will argue, well, should this have been uh, the case that Mr. Bragg brought uh, against the former president. That's the debate that's been going on and will continue to go on. But Judge Cabins, in those other cases that Alvin Bragg refers to and the cases that we've handled, typically those documents have been filed somewhere with an insurance company, uh, with a government agency. Here, my understanding from speaking to Joe Tacopina and Susan Nicholas outside of the courthouse these uh, these were just filed in the, in the ledger with within within the the corporation itself. It never left his office. That's right. From looking at the indictment, that's right. The, these were entries in a ledger and a business ledger. So then, although the, he's claiming they were false entries, the prosecutor's claiming yes, that. Yeah. Okay. So and he's saying it, it was to mislead the electorate. Except the electorate didn't know about it. They're in a book in his office. That's correct, and that's that's going to be uh, probably one of the strongest arguments that they're going to make. So, as a hypothetically, as a defense, Donald Trump himself, right, could say, as I could on, on many aspects of what takes place here that I delegate to others, say yes, they were prepared. This was prepared, but before it was disseminated to anyone, I would have checked it or double checked it or made sure that it was accurate. But it never got to that point because it never left our office. That's that's a that's a great argument, and I'm sure that's what Mr. Tacopino and others are going to argue. No, I, I agree with you. This is not a, a case that I think is going to be the easiest to prove. Uh, certainly, um, uh, because you know, Mr. Trump is going to be arguing that the purpose of these payments was to prevent his wife from finding out about the uh, affair. I, I think that's what he's going to be arguing. You agree? Which is not exactly a stretch, right? I mean, it's not like a, a far-fetched theory that I don't want my wife to find out that I'm, I had an affair. How about this? I don't want my, my I don't want Baron, my son, to find out. You know, I don't want him googling and Stormy Daniels. I mean, obviously right. that's 
horses right. left the stable. Right. So the purpose, if if that was the purpose of the contribution uh, or the payment, yes, then the, the argument will be uh, that that could not be an election law violation. That that was for a totally different reason why the payment was made. So, Judge Cavins, you're a pretty conservative, meaning the way you conduct yourself in the world of the law. You're not a cowboy. You don't take big risks. You you stay in your lane. That's what they're saying. That's how they describe Alvin Bragg. He's like not a guy who gets ahead of his skis and he's measured and he's calm. Is this the kind of case that should have garnered what uh, the this is this the, these the facts that the first charges against any sitting president of the United States? I mean, is this what what should be happening here? Well, um, Mr. Bragg said that this was a violation of the law. He said that no one is above the law. And if this was the if if the president or the former president now broke the law, uh, he shouldn't escape accountability, even though this may, may may not be the sexiest indictment or the most uh, uh, or the, the indictment that others thought, you know, should be brought. He felt it was his obligation as a prosecutor. As you know, prosecutors have tremendous amount of discretion. And in his discretion, he decided uh, after deciding whether to go forward with witnesses whom some say were not credible. Apparently, there was a decision made at some point that those witnesses were credible. He felt he had an obligation under the law to go forward. Others could disagree with him. But uh, if listen, the proof is in the pudding. If a jury of 12 comes back and convicts, Mr. Bragg will be vindicated. If not, everyone will say, you see, we told him that this was the wrong kind of indictment to go forward. Judge Cameron, I've been handling indictments against the Manhattan District Attorney's Office for 25 years. I've seen a lot of indictments. This is a weak indictment. Well, when you say weak from the point of Factually, fact, like the, the, how are they going to prove this case? Matt, give me another minute, please. How are they going to prove this case? In other words, how, how are they going to get into Trump's mind? How is it going because to be Michael all, Cohen is going to be get, right. Michael Cohen's going to go on the stand and answer the questions you're asking now. And they're legitimate questions. But if he answers them in a way that a jury thinks is credible, uh, they may prove their case. Uh, I think it revolves greatly upon Michael Cohn. Listen, I don't know the new attorney, um, Todd Branch, Branch, but I do know Susan Nicholas and I do know Joe Tacopina. If Alvin Bragg and Susan Hoffinger, who's the, one of the prosecutors, if their whole case is on Michael Cohn's testimony, forget about Joe. I'll put Susan out there because everyone knows I have a personal relationship with Joe. I'll put Susan out there. She'll fillet him. I mean, you know, there's just so much material that she has. I mean, just so people understand, they could go back with Michael Cohen and look at every television interview he's ever done and impeach him on all of those television interviews. They, they probably will have him on the stand for a day. Oh, just more just, than just, a day. On, just oh. impeaching him on yeah. the impeachment. Yes. Uh, I mean, yeah, they will really. Right. I, again, prosecutorial discretion is uh, something that you're granted when you're elected. And... Uh, I, I, I don't know. I just look, you and I have cases in this office against the Manhattan DA's office with real indictments with with I mean, where the grand jury minutes are 2000 pages and there's dozens and dozens of witnesses that are very credible witnesses. That's a real white collar kind of poly, you know, solid case. 
this, this this is not in that category. Well, don't forget, this case might not get to the jury if the judge looks at the grand jury minutes and and agrees with you or, or others who say there's no legal sufficiency here. And don't forget, there's an issue about the statute of limitations. The, well, see, that's my point, Judge Cummins. The fact that we're even having these conversations, there's an issue with the statute of limitations. It may not be legally sufficient. The scrum that I was with down there, I mean, it was insane. I'm going to talk about it in the next segment. Like, you know, Diana, our partners, like, congratulations. Now we're a banana republic. I mean, like, I just don't think that this was the case, especially as prosecutor Alvin Bragg. Okay, I think he did something wrong. Looks like he's going to go have a big problem in Mar-a-Lago about the documents. Looks like he may have a problem in Georgia about that phone call. Can't you find me 11,000 votes? Looks like he may have a problem regarding January 6th. I just don't think the risk is worth the reward or, or, or the pain is not worth the gain. Ultimately, they go to trial and Donald Trump loses. Hypothetically, Judge Cummins, what, what happens? He loses. Okay, now he's in front of Judge well, Merchant I, for sentencing. What happens? I, I, I don't think jail sentences in his future. I think uh, okay, so it'll be a, a non-incarceratory sentence. Okay, so he now he's going to pay a fine, right? Let's hypothetically, right? A non-incarceratory. Right. He's going to pay a fine. What is he going to pay? A million dollars? And it doesn't prevent him from running for office. It doesn't prevent him from running for office. But maybe the judge says, I want you to do community service. What do you think the Secret Service is going to have to say oh, about yeah. Trump You know, going to a park and picking up <laughs> garbage, right? The, that, my point is... Where, what are we getting out of this? Except, oh, look what Donald Trump did. He messed around with his, in the, in the, in the light most favorable to the prosecutor. What, like, what's the benefit to society here? It's just, well, oh, Donald uh, Trump on, and, and who's got billions of dollars going in and out of his company. I think Mr. Bragg will tell you that nobody is above the law and he has to be held accountable like every other person who may have falsified business records, no matter what the reason. I get it. But what I would say to Alvin Bragg is if those records were handed over to a life insurance company and they falsified something so they could get money or a, a, some other a, other type of insurance company to get money or to some trust that, okay, oh, yeah, we're going to falsify these documents to get money back or, or a filing that was submitted to the government to dupe someone and get money back, my understanding is – these were in a ledger book that never left the Trump office. But don't forget, he was saying this was part of a scheme that Trump was involved in to suppress negative information in order to help the campaign. But what's OK? Let's go back to the crime 155.05 of the penal law, which is larceny by extortion. Isn't that how this whole thing started? Stormy Daniels said, uh, unless you give me money. Right. I'm going to disseminate information, right? And that I don't know. I think 155.05 may be a felony. I'm, I think so. Maybe I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. So where where's the justice there? This whole thing started. He's making the payment because she's committing a crime. I think you're giving a, a terrific summation now. And uh, the proof, again, is in the pudding. Uh, okay. All right. So we're going to take a break right now, Matt Sambolino. I just needed to go. You know, I, I, I was lucky enough to have Judge Cammons here. So I wanted to uh, take advantage of that. He's a very busy guy. He's going a fair way tonight to pick up the accoutrements for the uh, No, that's my brisket. partner, Judge Leventhal. Oh, right, Judge Leventhal. Last night was the brisket night. 
And tonight it was the uh, the fairway, uh, all the accoutrements, and then the, I think he's going to start cooking tonight. Is that the plan? That's correct. Yeah. All right. Well, to our our Jewish brethren, um, you want to wish him a happy Pesach. Uh, happy. Pe- oh, very good. A happy Pesach. Yes. That's it. So starts tomorrow at Sunday. Tomorrow right? night. Yes. All right. I, li- I like when the the Jewish holidays and then the Catholic holidays kind of line up. We'll be rolling in some matzah here in the Idala Batuna and Commons. And don't forget the gefilte fish. Yeah, I'm a big fan, big fan. Yeah, yeah. It's not, I got to tell you, Judge yeah. Commons, Passover, the Seder is not exactly like the top of the culinary food chain, if, if I may. I know. Well, we're doing the best we can. We've only been at it for a couple of thousand years, and we'll get it right eventually. All right, we're going to come back. we got a lot more about what happened. I was down at the courthouse today. I'll tell you my experience. Don't go away. It's around tax season and those famous words from a real American president come to mind. I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Government isn't helping you. Their spending addiction is driving up inflation, pushing up the cost on everything from groceries to gas, and then to add insult to injury, they raise your taxes. Save money where you can without having to sacrifice. Folks, I use Pure Talk. They're saving the average American family almost $1,000 a year on their wireless bill. Look at your bill. You're probably paying $80 a month per line to a company that doesn't really care about you, just your money. Pure Talk will give you talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just $30 a month with no contract. Dial pound 250, say Dennis Prager, and save 50% off your first month. Their U.S. customer service team will make switching easy. Dial pound 250 and say Dennis Prager and start saving today. So let's talk about lawyers, lawyers, lawyers. We talk about lawyers all day long, but let's talk about our friends who are lawyers, our friends at Connors and Sullivan. You know why you need to know those lawyers? Because planning for your future is important. It's imperative. You have to make sure that you and your family are protected. If you're not around to make decisions, who will? So go meet the lawyers at Connors and Sullivan to go over your entire estate plan, wills, power of attorneys, healthcare proxies, living wills, your overall estate plan. Sit down with Mike Connors because their goal is always the protection of your rights and your interests and your family's rights and your family's interests. They've been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years. And you know what? Because you're a part of the AM 970 family, you could visit them for a no obligation free consultation. Call Connors and Sullivan today to schedule that free in-person initial consultation. They have offices in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. It's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Or you can visit their website at connorsandsullivan.com. And remember, folks, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Listen to AM 970 The Answer on Alexa. Tune in iHeart or odyssey.com. Dead to the bone. George Thorogood. Well, it was, uh, it was pretty bad down there today. It was, um... I was happy to be there. It was felt like being, you know, a little close to being a piece of history. It was a madhouse. The craziest time was when um, 
Joe and Susan left the um, the building. So what happened was was this. I'll give you a little little update here. So 6.40, I was on the radio with, uh, with Joe Piscopo for a while. I was in the car on my way to Fox 5. Then I did another radio show. Um, then I, uh, I did, I think, three or four, I forgot, hits with Rosanna on Channel 5. In the middle, I did another uh, television show from the green room of Fox 5. Um, then I came to the office, and I was actually a lawyer for a couple of hours. And uh, I did the Mike Gallagher show here on AM 970. Uh, and then Joan and I, and we watched Trump go into the courtroom. And I was texting with Takapina through most of the whole thing and, and the, the morning after I had dinner with him last night. I had dinner with Joe last night after he had left Trump Tower meeting with the president. And um, then I jumped on the subway with Joan and we went down. And wow, what a scene. I mean, what a scene. John Esposito, my partner, who's represented the New York State court officers, he was down there. Um, you know, we know all the court officers because we've been working with them and dealing with them literally for 30 years. Uh, Dennis Quirk, who is the head of the union, who has been, uh, he's the oldest serving union boss in the United States of America, the court officer union boss. Esposito, come in here. Um, and, um, you know, it was just, I don't even know how to describe it except, well, I will tell you this. I was very, very concerned about today a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago about the reaction to Trump being arrested by others being foolish. But there was, there were people down there, but no one of, there, there was more media than there were protests on either side. So, and what an outstanding job by the NYPD, by the New York State court officers, uh, it was just really great. John, go close to that microphone. And you you started working in that building, what, year? 1980 what? 84. 1984. And so you were in the thick of things today, right? There was people were behind barricades, not Johnny not Johnny Esposito. He was he was in, on the other side of the barricades. Tell the folks who are listening, who watched it on TV, you were there live. What, what was it like? Well, I actually was in the DA's office since 84 through 91. I've gone through Bernie Getz. I've gone watched John Gotti outside my window from the DA's office. I've watched many high-profile cases right we, on. We, we lived Harvey Weinstein. We lived Harvey Weinstein, but nothing could compare to the amount of coverage that was there today. The pedestrians were basically kept at bay, so to, so to speak, bay, back on Worth Street, as well as the park across from the courthouse. But there was nothing in terms of any sort of raucous crazy fighting or screaming or shouting and there's some people going back and forth but it was really done orderly there was the orderly administration of justice everyone was safe there was respect for the process respect for you know the courthouse the chief decorum. magliano who's chief, chief magliano everybody was on top of their game from major, a to z major jack allen of the right. building was fantastic and that's not what a lockdown there was pedestrians that were allowed to walk right in front of the building for a good period of time in the morning and early afternoon, right across the front of the building. They had to keep on going. The streets were kept open in, in, in part. So the press were, had their access. Obviously, there was a lot of press. The, pre but the, the corral with the press where we were, it was like they were in there like sardines. It was crazy. It, it was as intense as can be. And but exciting, right? It exciting. Was like electric. <laughs> so I think – so here's what happened. So Joan and I get down there, and initially – 
I was a little timid. I'm like, how am I going to get through here? But then I just spoke to one of the detectives, the NYP detectives. They said, listen, I have a hit on, on television on the next block because we were on Worth Street, which is a block away. And the guy just said, okay, go on through. So I went, I strolled on through with, and, and um, uh, we went and we found uh, the people from Inside Edition and then I did a hit with them. Then I did the people from Extra um, and um, then News 12 and, and I, I was texting you. I was like, where are you? And you're asking me where I am. And then when the Trump motorcade like, came around, like they went crazy, the media, like jumping on, on ladders and trying to get a picture of him. But I don't know. I don't think they got any photos of him leaving the building, right? Well, the motorcade also took up positions around the entrance to the DA's office, as you could probably see if you watch some of the, uh, the videos tonight. And they actually blocked in large part the ability for many people to see actually him walking into the building itself. It was almost as if they circled in a what sense. What about when he left the building? He left the building. It was pretty quick, right back in the vehicle. People were... Did he come out the same entrance Same entrance, in? the DA's entrance. And some people were speculating that, in fact, he would not go on script and come out and speak to the reporters, say hello, because obviously the Secret Service has some role. They can deter him from basically speaking right. with the press, but it's up to a president or an ex-president. If he chose at that point to go off script and say, you know what, I said Mar-a-Lago tonight, I'm actually going to go out to 100 Center Street, that would have been something but he yeah, had but, the right well, to do. What I was going to say is, uh, following up, with, so what happened was, eventually you and I connect. You came and right. find me, and you said to me right away, you know, you go, Takapina's right there. Right. And they had just, so the Trump motorcade had just left, and Joe and Susan and Todd and, and there were two other gentlemen there who I didn't know. Um, so there was five of them. And there, I asked Chief Magliano, I go, where's Tacopini? He goes, oh, no, he left in the motorcade. I go, no, he didn't. He's standing right there. And Mike laughed. He goes, all right, I didn't keep tabs on him. So I walked. So they, because of who we know, I strolled right over. And, and I was the first civilian, so to speak, that they spoke to right after the, the, uh, the appearance. And my first question was, what took so long? And apparently what took so long was the media had their own attorney there at the beginning of the proceedings, and they were arguing some for some – they wanted more access. I remember, I remember in Harvey's case, they were arguing we were going to seal the courtroom to do the, um, the Molyneux arguments. Right. And the judge sealed the courtroom because they were going to be so prejudicial. Um, but here, I don't know what they were exactly looking for. But, John, we have two minutes left. You've perused the indictment. You worked in that office. You've worked against that office. Is this a strong indictment? You know, sometimes people look at a case like this and say it's not a strong indictment or it's not a very sexy type of case, but it's a, what's called a paper case. They're all e-felonies based upon false filings. So on its surface, it doesn't look like anything's so fantastic. But sometimes these cases aren't that difficult to prove because it's just a matter of here's the paperwork, who filed the paperwork. But that's the thing. They're not saying anyone filed anything here. They're saying that he put it in a ledger book that stayed in his office. That's what I asked Joe. Right. But I did, said to Joe, right out, I go, where did he file it? He goes, they're not saying he filed it. He just put it in his book and it stayed in his office. But the nexus is between him and Michael Cohn and Michael Cohn taking the next step and using that money under the theory that it's legal, a legal fund or a legal fee as well, opposed to hush money. That's, that's the core of the allegation, I believe. That is the core of the allegation. My point is if that ledger book never left, never left the Trump office's what stops the defendant from saying, well, before it went out, I was going to double check it. I was going to correct it. I was going to make sure everything was right. 
or the ledger book doesn't show anything that's indicative of criminality. The, there has to be the connection between what that ledger book reflects and how it was used. A lot of people in organizations, and I'm sure a Trump organization, they don't get involved in the minutia of the day-to-day billing, ledger books, and so forth and so on. So it's underlings of one form or another who basically are doing the paperwork, who are doing the filings, or keeping records. you got to have to show that Trump, in fact, knew where, in fact, that payment was going and, in fact, intended to be used for an illegal purpose. So if you were on the team, what's the first motion you submit to the court? Insufficient grand jury. I mean, there's a lot of different dates that are involved, but they all go back to a core issue about the hush money being paid. There's also could have been a, a real issue in terms of the statute of limitations because I believe the last date that's in the indictment is December of 2017 on a five-year statute of limitations. That would have expired uh, approximately four months ago. But as we know, with COVID, Governor Cuomo told the statute of limitations. So, But for that, the case would have been out of the box. That's amazing. Yeah. Really. That, that, if you think about how COVID has affected so many things around here, how it's, it could affect the, uh, the election of a president of the United States. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard John Esposito. He's a, uh, an alum of that office. Is this a proud day for an alum? Not sure yet. How's that for an answer? I will tell you, one, someone who you know very well called me when they indicted Trump, someone who was in the office with you, he was your, your supervisor, and he said, if Takapina needs help, he, this is a, a, a lifelong prosecutor, never was the Fed starting to melt for a minute. He said, if Takapina needs help, tell him I'll help him for free, because I think what my office just did is a disgrace. Wow. Wow. That's a big wow. Mr. SS. All right, I think we're going to take a quick break, come back, and uh, look, uh, there's other things I could talk about that happened in the world today, but not really. Let's talk about Trump in the next segment. Maybe I'll pull another lawyer here in, and we can chat about him. Don't go away. Join Kevin McCullough and Linda Perillo tonight as we take a look at some airport safety issues on Travel Night. Uh, you got a big trip planned? You want to get your passport in time? You don't want to miss tonight. That's at 7, Radio Night Live, Travel Night. With Progressive's Home Quote Explorer, you can check if you're paying too much for home insurance because giving you options is the right thing to do. Oh, you mean like when I let someone with less groceries go ahead in line? Sure, there's a part of me that thinks, if you only need three things, maybe go to a convenience store next time. And now they're sifting through coupons and my frozen foods are about to be not frozen. But still, it's the right thing to do. So compare rates with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Let us talk about Plaza College. I mean, we all know about the courtroom and the drama of the courtroom. That's all the whole world is talking about. Well, guess who was in the middle of that courtroom today? A court reporter. So you know all about Plaza College and its court reporting program and how cool it is to be a court reporter. But as we know, Plaza College has been around since 1916. And not only do they have the School of Court Reporting, but they have four other schools of study as well, including their new School of Nursing. 
and they have that accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program that can be completed in just 16 months. Students complete their curriculum in the new Center for Healthcare Simulation on Plaza's campus and within the best hospital systems in New York City. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. You know what, folks? It's incredible. If you want additional information regarding the programs I just mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, like their School of Business and Paralegal Studies or their School of Allied Health, just visit their website at plazacollege.edu. That's plaza, P-L-A-Z-A, college.edu. This is Mike Gallagher. Visit the Holy Land with me in Inspiration Cruises and Tours. No other trip will be like Stand With Israel. StandWithIsraelTour.com. StandWithIsraelTour.com or call 855-565-5519. Hello, this is John Leventhal. I am a partner in the law firm of Idala Bertuna and Kamins. I have been a lawyer for 43 years, including 13 years as a trial judge and 13 years as an appellate judge. I have presided over almost every kind of civil and criminal case, and I have seen litigants facing almost every legal problem you can imagine. What is the most important thing for a litigant to do? It is to obtain the right lawyer, someone with the ability to navigate you through the court system and achieve the best possible outcome. At Idala Bertuna and Kamins, that is what we offer. When I was on the bench, Idala Bertuna and Kamins earned the reputation of being the boutique law firm that fights passionately for their clients in the most professional manner in both civil and criminal cases. I am proud to be a member of the Idala Bertuna and Kamins Law Firm, where our lawyers will give you the powerful representation you all deserve. So when I jumped out of the shower this morning at 5.30 in the morning, dried myself off a little bit, what do you think I put all over me? That's right, my hemp leaf, my shea butter-based cream, and before that, I used the black soap in a you know, little two squirts on the loofah. You're good to go in the shower. The whipped butters, um, the creams, they, you, trust me, folks, they leave your skin feeling so good. And on a day like today, when I'm running all over the place and... Oh, it's nice to have a little hemp leaf in your in your pocket to take good care of you. Um, you put it on the forehead, put it under the eyes. It makes you feel young. It makes you look young. And their products are manufactured in Long Island. They're vegan-friendly and cruelty-free. And for those of you who are big workout artists, you can check out their Icy Pot, which is a muscle rub that will help you get through those workouts and make you feel better after the workouts. And for the young ladies, there's Heal Ixer, which is a cream that you put on your heels after you wear those high heels, and it makes your feet feel so good. You'll wake up in the morning totally recovered. Find out about all these amazing products at www.hempleaf, H-E-M-P-L-I-E-F, H-E-M-P-L-I-E-F.com. That's www.hempleaf.com. And mention the name Arthur at checkout. Just say, hey, Arthur, at checkout. I'll put it in. There's a place where you can type it in, and you're going to get an extra 10% off. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. So this is how it reads. 
The defendant, Donald J. Trump, repeatedly and fraudulently falsified New York business records to conceal criminal conduct that hid damaging information from the voting public during the 2016 presidential election. The participants in the scheme violated election laws, the statement continues, but it does not explicitly cite which ones. And even at the press conference, he didn't he did not uh, brag, did not say that. Um the defendant, Donald J. Trump, repeatedly and fraudulently falsified New York business records to conceal criminal conduct that hid damaging information from the voting public during the 2016 presidential election. What is the damaging information that was hidden from the public? Is it the accusations by Stormy Daniels? Or is it that he put in the ledger that it was legal payments when it was really reimbursements to Michael Cohen. Folks, you know, we could spin this any way you want, but I'm telling you, I've been doing this for a long time. I know I normally don't have to interpret a indictment. It's usually pretty simple. This person on this day at this time committed this act. There's no interpreting. It's, it's, it's no figuring things out. I do these white-collar cases in this office on a regular basis. I don't have to, like, figure out what's going on. They spell it out. I, I, it was a case I had where, you know, there's a construction company and then there's a building company. And the building company needs work done. So the construction company is... One guy in the construction company is in cahoots with one guy in the building company, and the building guy says, okay, bring in an estimate, bring it in higher than you actually need, I will approve it, so you'll get the gig, but then with the a little bit of the extra money, we're going to split it. And then the building guy is putting money in his pocket that he doesn't deserve, and the the guy who's who uh, is co- providing the services is being awarded the contract without a fair bidding process. And he's overcharging them. He's putting money in his pocket. It's not a hard crime to figure out. I mean, there are so many other examples I can give you. Uh, secretaries who worked for American Express and how they were padding bills so that they were able to take money out and putting it in their pocket. I didn't need a, a thesaurus to parse words to figure out exactly what's going on. But here, in the indictment itself, they, they don't really, they, I don't know what they're holding back. You only get one chance to make a first impression, even when you're a prosecutor, even when you're out there. You know, this case is being reported internationally. Australian TV wants me, um, literally. Uh, why wouldn't you just come out guns blazing? That's what Mr. Morgenthau would do. When I had the crane case, he had a press conference. He had the straps that were used on the crane that he said my client didn't use the, the right type of straps or he used used straps as opposed to brand new straps. And he had a whole dog and pony show. He explained it all, laid it all out there so that the, the prejudice was was built in. Joe Hines used to have these press conferences with charts and graphs and and explaining it all. What are they what are they hiding here? Why didn't Alvin Bragg come out? and more forcefully explain and and almost like educate people now you can't prejudice the 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 potential jurors you can't disparage uh people but you could say okay let me explain to you what happened here's what happened 
around this date, on or before this date, we believe that Michael Cohn was approached or heard that Stormy Daniels was going to come out with his story about her affair with Donald Trump. Whether it's true or not, doesn't matter. And then why wouldn't he address the fact that, oh, by the way, that in and of itself is a crime, but that happened in 2016 and we can't figure out a way to get around the statute of limitations on that. That's why Stormy Daniels has not been charged with the penal law um, violation of larceny by extortion. But then Michael Cohn paid $130,000, and we have evidence. The evidence is going to show that Donald Trump knew that he paid that money, and the reason why that money was paid was so that the people uh, who were going to decide the, the election for the president did not find out these accusations. And then instead of just reimbursing uh, Michael Cohen and putting that in the ledger that it was for reimbursement, they put it down that it was a legal fee. And we're going to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Donald Trump and Michael Cohn knew what they were doing, discussed what they were doing, and uh, in fact put it in the general ledger that it was a legal fee when it was really reimbursement for uh, the payoff. And and just just almost make an opening, like you're making an opening statement to a jury and just lay it out. But that's not what he did today. Kind of like, like lighthearted. And again, there are ethical rules about what he can and cannot say. But Morgenthau figured out how to do it. Joe Hines figured out how to do it. Mario Marola in, in the Bronx and knew how to do it. Santucci knew how to do it in Queens. Alvin Bragg didn't do it in the biggest case ever. All right, we got one more segment. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Did you know that you might have someone special in your life that lowers your blood pressure, cortisol level, and risk of depression and other stress-induced issues? Your loving dog does that and more. Why not ensure your pup is as healthy as possible? I'm helping naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black spread the truth about dog food. Dog food is dead food. That's why Dr. Black created Rough Greens, a natural supplement added to your dog's food, bringing it to life. I sprinkle Rough Greens over my pup's dinner. They gobble it up. They love Rough Greens. Your dog's low energy, itching, bad breath and digestive problems can be solved. Just add rough greens. The right vitamins and minerals, digestive enzymes, probiotics and omega oils which could change your pup's life. Dr. Black is so confident rough greens will help, he's offering a free jumpstart trial bag. Just handle shipping. Only at roughgreens.com slash gorka. Give back to your loyal best friend at ruffgreens.com slash g-o-r-k-a well, with all this stress about what's going on in this country and indictments and law, law uh, legal cases, why don't you give yourself a break and go to Italy? Come on, go to Italy. And I don't mean just jump on a plane and go to Italy. I mean go, on, go to Italy with one of the greatest tour groups mankind has ever known, the Perillo Tour Group. You could join Joe Piscopo on a special Perillo Tour to Italy. Steve Perillo and Joe have joined up to put together a very special Rome and Sicily customized tour. Three nights in Rome, plenty of time to see the, all those important, lovely, awesome sights and eat, eat, eat with a private dinner from Piscopo uh, performing with Piscopo, I should say performing, which is a great time. I've done it myself. 
Next, you fly to Sicily for three nights in Taromina with special day trips along the coast in Cologne, including Savoca, Forza de Agro, and the sites of the actual filming of uh, where the godfather was filmed a wonderful wine tasting at mount etna and then mount etna that's where my family's from and then on to palermo that's where the other side of my family's come from for three additional nights before flying home when are the dates october 18th to 28th sounds like it's a long time away it's like the day after tomorrow call perillo tours 1-800-431-1515 1-800-431-1515 for reservations or visit perillotours.com Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. Oh, with or without you. Well, you know what? This law firm is going to have to live with or without her because um, she's going on vacation soon, like day after tomorrow. Diana, we have like five minutes. You're on the lo- You're right. This is Diana Fabi Sampson, another alum of the New York DA's office. Notice I keep the Brooklyn DA's office because we're we're proud. Keep us away. But here's the Manhattan DA's office. Diana, you've taken a peek at this indictment. Try not to chew gum into the microphone. You've taken a peek at this indictment. As an alum of that office, what are your thoughts? Well, my, I mean, I've just scanned it, okay? And what I notice immediately is that every falsifying business records count refers to conduct occurring after the election. Um, And there's no conspiracy count. So I'm just, I'm confused as a matter of logic how something done a year and a month, or a year and several months after the election um, could influence the election. It's a matter of logic, it makes no sense to me. So what I just said moments ago is, isn't it atypical for us to get an indictment and have to kind of like interpret it and parse through it? I mean, don't we really usually understand what's going yes. on? Yes. Yes. Can you back me up on that? I back bit? you up on that wholeheartedly. Okay. Well, tell me what you told me earlier about the jail big enough for people who delve in. Go ahead. Tell me. Be honest. Don't hold back. I just asked if there was a jail big enough in the United States for all the men who have paid. Well, and women. And women. I don't think women have paid much hush money, but that have paid money to keep people quiet about embarrassing uh, Episodes, conduct. conduct. So that now, let's be clear. He's not being prosecuted merely for paying the hush money. He's being prosecuted for what took place thereafter. In other words, according to the prosecutor... Well, he's not being prosecuted for paying the... I mean, he's being prosecuted for falsifying business records. Right, right. (laughs) Now, so here's... Right, but it's... it's, It it wouldn't be a falsification if he just wrote down, I'm repaying Michael Michael Cohen for paying Stormy Daniels, right? Then it's not a crime. But here's my point. The place where it's written down is in a book in his office. It was never filed anywhere. That's a good point, too. When we is that came, true when, as to all the counts? I, when when Takapina and Susan came out of the courthouse and I walked right over to them, I said, where was it filed? And Joe looked at me and goes, it never was. According to what we knew today, it was never filed. So they're saying because they put it in the ledger of the corporation or in, in the that that in and of itself is a crime. And I'm like, that's hogwash. Because hypothetically, if I delegated that to someone here in our office, 
and it just was sitting in the book. Let's say I said, Alexa, take care of this, that, and the other thing. And thinking it's never going to be turned over. And all of a sudden, we get a subpoena or there's some reason where we have to turn it over. Of course, I would now take it and put my own eyeballs on it and say, hold on, hold on. No, if, if people are going to come take this book, I don't think that's accurate. Let's double check this. Let's fix it. Let's adjust it. If they told me that Donald Trump filed this with the federal election law, well, that's different. Now, I don't know if they're going to be well, he saying... he didn't file anything with the, related right. to this with the Federal Elections Commission. Or- so now, how are they going to prove that felony... I'm sorry, that, that, that second crime that, that, that's the cover-up that makes this into a felony? I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a crime of omission, isn't it? That I, is, is there a view of it that he didn't report it? But no, a, he, he didn't have to report this as a campaign expense because... He's saying, I didn't do this. No, no, no. But they're saying they, he did it for the election purposes exclusively. Right. So and that's he, a question of fact, right? right. For the jury. And it isn't, doesn't it make a, isn't there a very cogent argument that it had nothing to do with the election? I don't want my wife to He doesn't to know. even have to argue that it had nothing to do with the election. He can argue that it had something to do with the election and his wife. And it has to exclusively have to do with the election right here on the idola power you have diana fabi sanson telling you exclusively yeah i mean which is why i mean who is the um who was the democratic presidential candidate in south carolina who was prosecuted john edwards that's right i mean that was the same issue there yeah i so diana as objectively as you could be and you've been doing this defense attorney stuff now for a while and you worked in that office for a while is this a strong indictment, a weak indictment? What's your, how do you describe it? As someone who's in the law. I mean, I think there are a lot of issues with it. I mean, I think it would be great to be a criminal defense attorney in this case, because there are, I think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit here. I, I, you know, I, I think it's a, it seems like a much ado about nothing, 34 pages about... 34 counts, not 30, pages. Oh, I think, I think it's, it's 34 pages with the statement of facts. So. Oh, maybe with I think the it's something like that. So um, I will tell you this. When I when I walked up to Joe and Susan, they actually were like smiling here. I mean, it was nice. I think I think they were happy to see me because it's nice to see a familiar face in this sea of insanity. But they were like when I was like, "So what's up? What's with the indictment?" They said, "It's exactly what we thought." And Susan was like, "It's nothing." She's like, "Arthur, it's nothing." And Joe's like, "There's no crime here." Idala, there's no crime here. This is what he's telling me. I now, just so you folks know, for those of us who do that, Diana and I don't typically walk out of the courthouse after being handed an indictment and saying, there's no crime here. Maybe our guy didn't do the crime, but there's usually in an indictment, it's pretty clear what the crime is. And here, I don't care who you are, it's, it, it, this is not written in a way that it's crystal clear exactly what the crime is. It's just not. No, definitely. I mean, the underlying crime, they don't even identify. It, they, it's, it's right. <laughs> they they, so they don't say, and that's how it goes from a misdemeanor to a felony. They're committing the misdemeanor crime to cover up or co- commit a felony. Uh, I'm sorry, another crime. What is the second crime? And Alvin Bragg apparently in a news conference said, well, it, the, the statute doesn't make us uh, have to articulate that now. And my So point we're is, trying to figure out what it is. Yeah, my point is, why wouldn't, so why wouldn't he tell everyone? Why wouldn't you articulate it now? What do you have to hide? What do you have to hide? They, under the new bail laws, which also encompass discovery laws, they have to turn over all their evidence in, a, in short order. So why wouldn't you come out blazing like, like 
uh, you know, I said earlier a moment ago when Esposito and I did the crane case, when, when Morgenthau did that press conference, he had the straps from the crane. He had bolts from the crane. He, he gave a whole dog and pony show about why he believed he was going to be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt the, the crane rigger was guilty. Alvin Bragg did like the minimum that he could do here, and I don't think it served him well. Diana, say something. No, I agree. I mean, the narrative is a narrative that is attempting to, you know, win hearts and minds here. This whole narrative about, you know, for tax purposes. But it really there's nothing that comes out in the counts to suggest there's any kind of tax evasion or any illegal, you know. So it, it's I, I don't know if you noticed that about the yeah. Uh, there's something about tax the story. There may be something um, about Michael Cohen <laughs> overpaying taxes. It's it's. Look, folks, I'm I'm trying to really be as objective as I can, and this is a case that you I mean, know the, it's not in Texas. The subheadings in, catch and kill. Yeah, I mean, uh, okay. well, that's got to do with the new. That's got to do with one count having to do with uh, the newspaper. Uh, the newspaper with the National Enquirer. Well, look, I was telling you all along that I didn't think that this was going to be a very strong indictment. I thought it was going to be about one general topic. I was correct on both fronts. It is on one general topic. It is not a very strong indictment. It doesn't take... I want to see the person who's going to argue, oh yeah, this is a a really great indictment, because I'll just pull some out of my files and I'll show you examples of what a great indictment was. If Here's the bottom line, folks, as we wrap up. If you were conducting a law school class and you want to give an example of what a great indictment looks like, no one on the planet Earth who's worth their tenure at a law school would ever hand over this indictment and say, yeah, this is what you should be striving for as a prosecutor. Period. Amen. End of story. Do you agree or disagree, Fabi? I agree with you. How about that. you there, uh, Esposito? <laughs> I got two former Manhattan DAs, proud Manhattan DAs. I'm going to say this. This was not a proud day for the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. We'll see. Maybe a year from now, there's a jury, there's a conviction. I don't know. But even if there's a conviction, as Judge Cameron said at the beginning of the show, to what end? Donald Trump's not going to jail. There's no victim that needs to get paid a whole bunch of money. There's no family crying for justice. So what do we do all this for? Why do we have that insane media presence? Hundreds of police officers, every single court officer, the, the, the DIs from the DA's office, the, the Secret Service, helicopters. I mean, the money that was spent today for what? Not for to what mention person? the time and money spent on this investigation. Correct. And I'm sad to say that the Manhattan DA's office Seven. has of recently decided to take the tact of, atta- of investigating a person instead of a crime. There you go. You got it from Diana Fabi. Have a good Tuesday night, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.